Hello and welcome to the Slow Home Podcast. This is the podcast all about slow living in a fast-paced world. And my name is Brooke McCallery. Thank you very much for joining us today. I'm Ben McCallery and welcome to episode 203. So in today's episode, I chat with the wonderful Erin Rhodes, who you may know as the Rogue Ginger, which is such a cool name for a website. I love it. I really love it. Erin is a zero waste advocate, plastic free advocate, uh, a low waste advocate as well. And she's been writing about her experiences and the changes that she's made in her home and her family's life for the past few years. And she's just like a font of knowledge. <laughs> she really is. And I loved talking to her because for a while I would look at someone like Erin and feel intimidated by the changes that she had made to her life, mm. which is significant, like hugely significant in reducing her waste to, to almost zero. And I, I would feel um, like a bit a bit hopeless that I, I couldn't make those changes myself. But talking to her was such a relief because she talks about how that was not her five years ago. Mm. And the changes that she's made have been very gradual and very intentional. There's been heaps of mistakes and heaps of accidental plastic bags and oh. straws. And yeah, when she was talking about it, I was thinking about you, yeah. particularly when we spoke about it the other day. And she's just so refreshingly honest and accessible. Accessible, absolutely. Mm. She makes the idea of zero waste living and plastic free living really accessible which I think is something that we struggle with, uh, like all of us, you know. And we had a question last week in the host for about this idea of eco-anxiety. And Erin talks about it today, actually, and she calls it environmental overwhelm uh, or guilt, sorry, environmental guilt, and how feeling that kind of guilt about not doing everything perfectly often leads us to doing nothing. Yeah, okay. So she and I talk about that a lot as well. But it's it's a fantastic episode. I'm I don't know why it's taken me two and a half years to talk to her, but I'm really glad that I got to. Yeah, that's great. And so the other good news about Erin is that she's part of our online retreat. She is. So Erin is one of the 13 presenters or facilitators or contributors to the Live Life Simply online retreat, which is currently open for registration and it will be open for the next 10 days. So this comes out on the 12th of October. Mm -hmm. Registration closes on the 22nd. So head over to live life simply retreat.com. <laughs> That's live life simply retreat.com. .com. And you'll find all of the details of the uh, the 13 contributors there. And you'll also be able to reserve your spot. But Erin's running a seminar, a session about the, like an introduction to the mm, low waste lifestyle. Great. And yeah. it's fantastic. It's really, really fantastic. And her resources that, that come as part of that. Those resources are so good. Yeah. So clever. Just clever and simple. This is yeah. the whole thing. Her whole, the whole sort of mission behind Erin's work is reducing waste, reducing plastic, but in simple steps. Not necessarily easy, as I always like to point out, but simple and accessible and doable. So, yeah, if you're interested in learning more about that after listening to Erin and I today, LiveLifeSimplyRetreat.com and, uh, yeah, you can find out about the, the rest of the retreat as well. Can't wait for that. Any other messages? I love yous all. Yeah, I want to really briefly mention, I know we've done it a couple of times, but our live podcast recording at the State Library. Yes. Which is coming up in 11 days. Very good. Okay. 
lots happening that weekend. Uh, but the events page over on slowyourhome.com is the best place to find out about that. I think you can find a link to the tickets and information there as well as all the show notes, including Erin's website and her Facebook page, which is where she's got a fantastic community of people who are looking to make uh, you know, the shift towards zero waste living. Uh, it's just a hub of heaps of information and tips and ideas and resources. But Erin's website is therogueginger.com. And I've got a link to that in the show notes as well. Good stuff. Great stuff. Well, enjoy the episode. Hello, Erin. How are you? I'm good, Brooke. And how are you? I'm so good. Thank you so much for talking to me. No worries. Happy to uh, have an excuse to send my husband on a walk with our baby and <laughs> have an adult conversation. <laughs> when you've got little ones, it's those sort of moments of being able to sit down and have an adult conversation. They really are like key. I think they were key to my my well-being and my well-roundedness, I think. Yes. There's only so many times I can sing Hickory Dickory Dock, I think. <laughs> At the moment. <laughs> you were taking me way back, actually. Oh, God. <laughs> I remember thinking to myself, this has got nothing to do with anything, but when our kids were just loving particular songs and they'd ask me to sing them every night when they went to bed, they'd be like, how many times will I sing this in my lifetime? <laughs> how many times will this happen? And then it passes before you know it. But anyway, how old's your little one? He is six and a half months. Okay. So he's at a stage now where he just wants to play, which yep. is great, but it's also like you don't get anything done, mm-hmm. really. <laughs> it's a big shift, actually, from that newborn to coming into like the, more the infant and then like, a one-year-old before you know it. But uh, oh. like they really shift from being quite passive <laughs> to not so much. It's a big shift, mm-hmm. and moving and teeth and it's just, I'm just like, can you just stop mm. growing? Mm-hmm. Just give me five minutes to catch up. <laughs> <laughs> we'll meet back again, okay? Yeah, exactly. No, that's lovely. It's good. So um, I want to come back. I've got a question that I wanted to ask you at the beginning. Um, actually, you know, I'm going to come back. It's fine. <laughs> Don't mind me. I want to go back a few years for you, actually, and ask what life used to be like for you. I mean, because you're you're the rogue ginger, you are a zero waste advocate uh, and you've been writing about it and talking about it for many years. But were you always passionate about reducing your impact on the environment or was there a catalyst, a moment that things changed for you? I wish I could say that I was this, you know, environmentalist and you know keen to always make the right decision when it came towards it but I wasn't I was the complete opposite I was a poor recycler if I did recycle and it was it was a a moment it was a movie that I watched out of pure boredom Mm -hmm. (laughs) I was I was stuck at home and I was sick with a cold and my sister gave me a call and she told me about this movie that she had watched called The Clean Bin Project and I literally had nothing else to do. So I watched it and it followed this couple from Canada who gave themselves the challenge to create no rubbish for a year. And it was after that movie that I went, 
I want to do something. I need to do something. And that was it. But prior to that, you know, I did not really care that much about the environment. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah, it was, um, it's been a very much like a big 180 kind of shift in my life that even I think all my friends and family look back and were like, how have you become this like person <laughs> who goes on TV and talks about reducing your rubbish? <laughs> so, yeah, it's it's been interesting. And I guess it just goes to show uh, how these kind of big changes can come out and just change your life for the better. Absolutely. And I, I mean, I've got to say, I love, I love knowing that you weren't always this person who, you know, had the the highest of ideals with your environmental output and stuff like that. Like I really, I like the fact that you're like, no, no, I was pretty much the opposite. And you, you've managed to, to do this 180 with life. And now you've, you've shifted completely to living kind of the zero or low waste philosophy. Like how many, so how many years ago was that? I'm curious. Five years ago. Okay. And was the change immediate? Like how did you go about making that shift? Did you, did you try and kind of stop everything and turn it all around at once or was it more a gradual shift? No, gosh, I think if I did that, I would have ran off into the bush. <laughs> to make that work <laughs> but I like convenience so I stayed in Melbourne in the mm-hmm. city <laughs> and I, it all started with like after I watched the, the documentary and learned about the effects of plastic and you know the amount of waste that we produce I literally jumped on the internet and typed into Google how can I reduce my plastic awesome as you know like anyone has you know if you've got an illness or whatever you know you jump onto Google yep. with kind of questions <laughs> And up came Plastic Free July, which had I think was still in its infancy. It had only been around. And I started with Plastic Free July, which I know you've you've covered in um, past podcasts. And that's how I started. I just started very slowly mm. and just started chipping away. And I just started seeing benefits. So it made me want to kind of continue uh, a lot of benefits that I didn't expect. You know, I just wanted to reduce my plastic. I didn't think, you know, I'd find joy in supporting smaller businesses or you know getting to know my farmers or you know saving money I just I didn't expect any of this at all and you know also just learning to slow down and realize I don't have to be part of this fast-paced chaotic world that we've kind of created for ourselves I've got the power to kind of step up and say no I want I want something different yeah I think that's brilliant and I love that one small shift and many, many, many gradual steps have led you to that point of, of looking back and going, wow, I did not realize that stop, you know, me stopping using straws was going to impact everything. Or, you know, the fact that I stopped using Glad Wrap uh, is going to have this huge impact. But it's the ripple effect, isn't it? Because it leads you from one thing to the next to the next very gradually and kind of naturally. Uh, and I guess those benefits then become the momentum that drive us forward to make the next change in the next. Yeah, exactly. It's um, yeah. I guess when you say it like that, like saying no to straws or glad wrap, really has you know provide these benefits, but also shown me that you know I've got some power in my life to to change things and make things better. Mm. You know, it's it kind of taught me to stop and just think. Really, it's something I I hadn't done for the past twenty eight years. Really, to stop and think and look at my actions, um, and look at how my actions affect other people in the environment and the next generation. 
you know, at that stage I hadn't even thought about having kids or anything like that. And now I've got a child of my own. It, it's become even more, I guess, important for me to continue living this way too. Mm. What's well, it? I mean, an exercise in curiosity and, and critical thinking, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. It definitely is. And, you know, you learn about one thing and, you know, like say the health effects of BPA and, and you find out, well, BPA free is not the solution. You know, there's BPS now, which is that replacement. And then you learn about microplastics and it's a domino effect. And, you know, and they all lead into, you know, healthy eating as well and mindfulness. And yeah, it's just, it's just all connected in a really mm. nice way where I found a nice place in my life, I guess, where I feel like I'm part of the environment, part of that circle. And I do think that you're you're right. I mean, it sort of sits in part of this ecosystem of becoming more aware as well of of our actions and our choices and the wider implications and what that can impact not only in terms of the rubbish that we produce, but the work that we do and the food that we eat and the way that we parent and the way that we are a friend to someone, you know, and the, and the way we operate in a community. And it's it really is kind of part of this this greater ecosystem, I think, of of living this switched on kind of yeah connected aware maybe community minded life that I find mm. people will often pick one thing that they want to pursue like you know reducing plastic or mindfulness or meditation or decluttering or something and then gradually over time they find themselves sort of in the mix of all of these other things and it starts to 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 seep into other areas of their life and did so did you find that um you know as you started to reduce your waste that other areas of your life were unexpectedly impacted I mean you mentioned food but was there anything else I think yeah food was a big one for me and that ultimately led me to I think connecting with my community more not just like supporting local businesses but just being involved in my community just opening up to what's going on you know being aware of you know what's happening in the local parks you know activities that are going on becoming more I guess grateful for the services I've got around me and Mm. the hard work that people put into them also just being happy with enough I think that was another one they all like had these kind of domino effects like I didn't think that you know I'd be learning how to cook vegetables from my local farmer or something like yeah. that. Like I can go and ask him when he has something new and available. I can be like, well, how do I cook this? Um, and then I can listen to his story and where does my money then go to support him? And also, you know, connecting with local community groups as well or just all the hard work that people go into trying to create a really nice place for me to live in, I think, has been um, has kind of opened my eyes. Of You know, I've gone from, I suppose, being this – mindless consumer to being an active citizen Mm. and we're kind of just treated as consumers but we're not we're you know we're living breathing people who are moving about in these spaces and once you stop and have a look around you're kind of part of that you know you're part of the reason that makes it great exactly and there's so much that we can do I think we spend a lot of time feeling powerless Uh, you know, to make any kind of impact. But I think you're absolutely right that this sort of switching on to to the connectedness of things and the fact that we are part of something can lead us to to feeling less powerless and maybe more like there's something we can do, no matter how small. I think, and that's one of the questions I wanted to ask you 
going back a minute, we were sort of talking about this ripple effect and how one change leads to the next and how, you know, it, it's this big ecosystem of living, you know, a more aware kind of life. But I think one of the problems people often come to me with is they can see all of that and they feel really overwhelmed by, you know, the fact that maybe this one change is going to lead them down this path of changing everything and they're not ready for it. Do you have any advice, I guess, for people who feel overwhelmed? Uh, you know, maybe they want to, to start simplifying or reducing their waste, but they're terrified that everything's just going to snowball and it's going to become this all-consuming life change. In that case, yes, I have had that question before. And I advise people not to look at anybody else's journeys, mm-hmm. I guess, which is really odd for me to say because I get up and I talk about my own journey. I guess what I mean is don't compare your journey yep. to anyone else's. So, for instance, when I first started my lifestyle, there was only, say, two other people, I guess, sharing it in a way. And I just made a habit not to look at what they were doing. I, I took on their tips, but I was like, my life won't look like that because I live in a different location. I've got different needs. And I also did it very slowly. I did it very, very slowly because – Uh, I read something about environmental guilt and environmental guilt is when you want to make all these huge drastic changes to improve everything but then you, for instance, you forget to say no to plastic straw and so then you think, oh, I'm a failure, I'm not even going to bother with this (laughs) and you give up and it's very easy, very Mm -hmm. easy to give up but instead just take things slowly otherwise that environmental guilt will just swallow you up and spit you back out. And just do things that work well for your life. There's no race to, mm-hmm. to, to do any of this. Um, just be happy with the kind choices that you're making, I think. And, yeah, I just yeah, don't look at anybody else's life. I, ha- I found that during pregnancy too. I had a really rotten pregnancy and I would read blogs, you know, trying to look for help and I just got a bit depressed because I felt like my pregnancy wasn't their pregnancy and I felt a bit like a failure because Mm. of it and I was like I just needed to take my own advice with what I tell other people don't compare your circumstances to someone else just take some tips and apply them as you can to fit your life at the end of the day I think it's such solid advice because um you know it's so easy I guess to look at I always go to social media as an example here but you know these snapshots of other people's efforts or other people's journeys or the way they're living and to compare that to what we know of our own lives which is not a snapshot you know we we're seeing the highlight reels on social media on blogs and we know the every intimate detail of our own lives every failing every frustration every struggle and people don't often talk about those publicly so I think it's really good advice to take, take, take the tips, take the, like the golden wisdom from other people's experiences, but then apply them to your life in a way that works for you. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. I was actually um, was thinking about this the other day. I was, my son is now sitting up and reaching out for things and obviously falling when he does, and I kept putting the things in front of him so he wouldn't fall. I was like, wait a minute, he's not going to learn to put his hand out. Hmm. to kind of learn to not you know fall so I just left him and I said you know that's what I did and that's what I tell people to do like there's going to be instances where you will you know forget to say no to a straw or you might forget to take your bags and that's okay you'll learn to find a way to remember it for yourself 
you'll learn to make these changes that suit you. So you kind of expect those hiccups, they're going to happen. That's okay. You can start again fresh tomorrow. Yeah. And just make sure it just works for your life and don't look at someone who's got like maybe a jar of waste and be like, I'll never get that. I mean, no one says you have to keep a jar of waste with your waste. There's no rule anywhere that says that. Just some weirdos that do that. No, they're not weirdos. But like I've got a jar of waste. I get I keep it because I take it to schools and you know, kids go through it and we have a chat about, you know, rubbish and whatnot. But you don't you don't need to do that. Like who would do that? Someone said it's like taxidermy for waste. I'm like, yeah, it's pretty weird. <laughs> But I think, I mean, I get it. I get it. It's like the same kind of reason that I counted the first 25,000 things that I decluttered from our house because it was, it was motivating, you know, it was, it was a, yeah. like it was an accountability measure that worked for me. But then for many similar reasons, I actually stopped doing that because I felt like it was an accountability measure that I was using to um, like self-flagellate, you know, yeah. and it's like that was stopping me from living the benefits of the kind of life that we were trying to create, which was actually, you know, more time and more space and more energy and joy and kind of feeling like I wasn't living up to some made up expectation of what simplicity looked like meant that I wasn't enjoying any of it anyway. So I think that, yeah, removing maybe our expectations of what things will look like is a good place to to kind of start from as well. Yeah. And I'll never tell anyone that it's easy ever. (laughs) I won't. You know, I will happily get up on my talks and happily jump on radio and whatnot and, you know, people ask questions like, it's not easy, you know, making changes is hard and you've just got to accept that. But people make changes all the time. So, you know, and humans are highly adaptable creatures and we can we can do it. We just got to put our minds to it and we can, we can do anything. Absolutely. And I think we need that driving motivating factor because otherwise it's just going to be much easier to continue on with the status quo. So do you have – a particular idea or an image or something that you use to to motivate you to continue to to change and improve responsibility I think responsibility is my biggest my biggest drive mm-hmm. in terms of I guess I look at it this way you go into say a room and there's a mess in there and someone's told you you have to clean it up and you're like well I didn't make this mess it's not mm-hmm. very fair I guess that's kind of in the way of, you know, all this rubbish that we're creating. The next generations, because it's probably going to be several generations, are going to have to pick up the rubbish that I've made Mm. and it's not really fair. Why should they have to do that? It's my responsibility. The rubbish that I make, it's my responsibility and I can do better. I I can do better for them. You know, it's um, I think of things like a landfill site, once it comes to the end of its life, what happens with the landfill site is that it will be covered over and um, with dirt eventually and then it can't be used for I think 20 to 25 years that space. Mm-hmm. And then after that you can't even plant a tree on it, which really makes me sad. Mm. But they've got plans, you know, to open them up eventually to be, you know, spaces where people can go and, you know, there'll be a park or something. But I'm like, you won't even be able to plant a tree there or a building or anything because there's just that risk of everything sinking and releasing very toxic fumes into the air. And I'm like, why should my son or, you know, and, and his friends and, you know, and his children, et cetera, be stuck with this? You know, it's 
it's just not their responsibility. We can all do better, I think. Yeah, I, I agree. I think one of the biggest factors, I mean, I'm just I'm sitting here trying to think why don't like why isn't that that sense of responsibility innate in us? I mean, why do you think that it's not an innate thing? Like why do you think that we have to be re educated to be held responsible for our own mess? I would think it might be having to deal with some I guess looking at ourselves, we have to really kind of look at what causes these behaviours and they're not so very nice traits, mm. I guess, that we would see in ourselves. And, you know, when I had to go through making my changes, I did kind of have to hold a mirror up to myself, like, why am I such a, you know, mindless consumer? Why do I not think about this stuff? And does it come, am I greedy? Am I lazy? Am I, you know, and I had to look at some things. So I think that might be it, just having to hold that mirror up to ourselves and tackling some parts of our personality that, you know, aren't very nice Mm. perhaps and learning to, I guess, shake them off a little bit. And I think think that's probably where it can be a bit difficult for people. And also trying or, or not wanting to be a difficult person. I think we're not very good at speaking up and, saying we want things different because we might be afraid of causing trouble. Yes. And I always tell people if you go to a cafe and you, you know, have a discussion with them about straws or, you know, you take your own container to the deli to get, I know, hummus or dormatis or you can tell I'm married to a Middle Eastern by saying <laughs> Like I'm coming to your house. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, so and if they say no and you and, you know, and you can explain why, don't think that you're coming from a place of, you know, causing any trouble. You're coming from a place of kindness, like mm. you're trying to do a kind action. So I think, yeah, people don't want to be that person who's, you know, going to cause someone trouble. To me, I think that's what it is. It's, um, yeah, looking at those dark parts of our personality and not wanting to um, cause trouble. Yeah, I mean, we don't like being uncomfortable. I think we as humans go to very great lengths to distance ourselves from discomfort of lots of different kinds you know uh, and I think that that's certainly a big part of it because it's uncomfortable to question ourselves or to as you say hold a mirror up to ourselves and say I am part of the problem <laughs> you know yeah it's, re- it's really difficult no one likes doing it I and I constantly do it and I constantly feel uncomfortable about it but you can use it as a motivator to increase your sense of responsibility increase the things that you do rather than the things that you worry about you know I think there's a kind of a bit of a disconnect there too where we we're mired in this eco-anxiety feeling this you know this guilt and we kind of use that as an excuse to not do anything but it's the act of doing of taking the container to the deli of asking the question at the coffee shop that that's where I think you start to loosen the grip of that guilt even if there are any small actions in my experience they've actually freed me up to to take bigger steps have you found the same thing yeah I think it gives you confidence Mm. you know to take another step and try something different you know you know I remember when I first went to the deli I remember I was very scared and I think I circled the block like walked around it once and twice like I can do this and they didn't they didn't bat an eye they didn't care and you're like (laughs) what was I even scared about you, you know and I've had some people maybe turn me away, but now I'm better at having conversations. 
it just gives you the confidence and makes you, like, you know, it puts the power back in your hands. Like, mm. oh, wait, you know, I can ask for something different. Mm. I can do this. Yeah, I remember the first time I went to the butcher and I asked him if I, he could put the mints or whatever in a, in a jar. I bought this big glass jar with me and he looked at me and he's like, well, I would, yeah, I suppose. Okay, thanks. And he put it in a plastic bag and put it inside the jar. I'm like, I feel like you missed the point. (laughs) (laughs) So I left and was so embarrassed that I didn't go back for months. And then I stopped eating meat, so it didn't matter. But it's it's funny, my kids still eat meat occasionally. And when we go in, it's like, oh, here they are, the people who started it all. And he said, everyone, every second person is bringing in their glass jars now. I'm like, yes. See? See? That's it. Yeah, yeah. You know what? Sometimes we've got to remember that these business owners have not come across this yet. Like to them it's still very confusing. Like why? And then you've got to kind of remind them like, hey, our great-grandparents did this and they'll stop and pause and like, you're right, they probably did. And you'll come across the occasional older um, deli owner or baker or something. They're like, yeah, I remember my grandparents doing this. Like this used to be normal. Yeah. So I think we've got to just give them space as well and not get angry at them because yes. they just might not get it. Yeah, and that's and been my experience. If it's, if it's busy, like if you go there during a busy period, you know, and you're like, can you put this into the container? And they're like, I don't even know how to do this on my system. So, of course, they kind of they might say no. If you come back or you phone ahead, you know, there's, there's ways around it as well. I think we've got to um, meet each other, you know, in the middle. Mm. Yeah, I think that's really good advice to, I mean, come at it from kindness, as you say, and, and from a place of patience and understanding that like it's not maybe entirely new to us, but it probably is to a lot of people. Do you have any tips on how to broach the, the subject if you're in a store or you're looking for a service who will allow you to use your own reusables? I usually keep it simple because I don't want to make anyone feel bad. Mm. That's the last thing I ever want to do. Um, I'll never kind of shame anyone, but I'll just explain. I'm just trying to use some, like, less plastic. I'm giving myself a challenge to reduce my plastic footprint. And I'll usually throw in the thing, you know, just like how our great-grandparents used to live. You know, they use, like, hardly any plastic and just so they can, you know, relate it in a way instead of being all like, you know, the oceans are going to fill up with plastic if we don't do something now. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to scare people. I just, you know, I want to make it. I guess just friendly, light conversation and, you know, over time once we've, you know, built up a rapport, I'll explain a little bit more about my my lifestyle and, you know, I'll even throw in you could possibly save some money by, you know, not giving out all these plastic bags. Mm -hmm. Like they cost a bit for your business and, you know, and they'll agree like, oh, yeah, it does cost, you know, $5,000 a year, you know, I could save on that. So it's just building up that rapport and, and not, you're not shaming anyone because they just might not know and you can't shame someone if they don't know. You know, it's 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 really unfair. Yeah, and that, that kind of just dumps people in the deep end too, you know, that place of, of anxiety and overwhelm that we sometimes find ourselves in. That just, just throws them right in there without any warning either and that's kind of maybe more you're more likely to then just put your hands over your ears and, and kind of pretend and hope that it all goes away because what do you do from there, you know, from going from going from not understanding the issue at all to being dumped in the oceans of filling with plastic kind of piece is really yeah. disconcerting yeah. and probably not that helpful to drive action and change. Exactly, mm. exactly. You know, just because you've learnt 
how to do something doesn't mean that someone else knows how to do it yet or yeah. or understands. It's kind of it's almost like teaching someone how to dance or something. You've got to take it slow and be patient and they'll get there eventually. And mm. you know, I've had some people say no and that's okay. I'll, I'll go back and try again maybe and explain a bit more and I'll pick the times of days, you know, as well. I you know, I'm I'm really mindful about my own actions and I I just I guess put myself into their shoes. I would hate it if someone came and started yelling at me and making me feel bad. I'd I wouldn't change, you know. I'd probably be quite stubborn and be like and just ignore them where if you do it with kindness and um, mindful of their own situation, they're probably going to listen to you, I think. Sorry, I just had to take a drink of water. <laughs> no, that's okay. <laughs> do I do it? Do I not? Do I do it? <laughs> Can I ask then, what is one thing, if, you're, if someone's listening and they've maybe heard of Plastic Free July or they're keen to make a shift and they're, they're only just beginning, what's one thing that you would recommend that they start with? I would look in your bin first to see what is that one item that you probably use the most. Mm. So it could be plastic bags, be takeaway coffee cups, uh, could be straws. But I'm going to hedge a bet it's probably plastic bags mm. or takeaway coffee cups or even just plastic takeaway containers and start swapping out. Just pick a couple weeks and pretend that item doesn't exist and yeah, just invest in a reusable bag or as much as I'd like to tell people to get a reusable coffee cup, I'm more of the mind take 10 minutes and sit down and enjoy your cup of coffee yeah. or hot chocolate or tea and uh, or take a container to the deli or, you know, a cloth bag to the bakery. Just look at what rubbish you are creating the most of. Don't look at what everyone else is swapping out. Just look to see where you can make an improvement. And usually it's plastic bags. I think that's the, probably the best place to start would be a plastic yeah. bag. Yeah, and that's, I mean, that's one of those things that you build that habit quite quickly as well of grabbing the bags on the way out or leaving them in the boot of the car, having a couple in the bottom of your handbag. And it's it really is quite a simple change to make. I think that's probably my first first significant shift and then I bought you know the produce bags and that was really yep. easy and then people would comment on them at the grocery shop and I'd feel good about it and tell them where I bought them you know and that's from there it becomes just this one small change after another that that actually exactly. leads to significant change okay so the one, one of the things that people will always ask me about actually there's two and I'd like to pick your brain on them first thing is cheese People find it really difficult to get like just your standard cheddar cheese that kids like in their lunch boxes without plastic wrapping because most of the delis will already sell things pre-wrapped or they won't sell that kind of just, you know, your bog standard cheddar cheese. Do you have any suggestions? Okay, this is unfair because I live in Melbourne and <laughs> there's a place that sells unwrapped cheddar cheese okay. with no wax on it. So if you are in Melbourne, there's a great place at Queen Vic Market that do it okay. called Curds and Whey. If you live elsewhere, you're going to have to buy a cow and start milking. <laughs> no, right, so the, the red hot tip is to move to Melbourne. Okay, got it. <laughs> yeah. Otherwise, I would just have a chat with them and let them know about your predicament and see what they can do. Hmm. Now, 
you could get them and you could find perhaps like-minded people in your area and you could say we want to invest in a wheel of cheese and you could divvy it up that way. Okay. How would you find those people? Great question. So you can jump on Facebook and there are now quite a growing number of zero-waste communities all throughout Australia and the world and you can get in there and say I live in this suburb. Is there anyone else here? And you might be able to find those like-minded people. So I think that would be the easiest way. It would be to invest in a wheel of cheese. Oh, yeah. You can sometimes get smaller wheels. Like they, a deli can order in food for you too. Mm. So I would chat with them in either, you know, early morning or towards the end of the day when it's not as busy and just let them know why you're wanting to do it. And do you know what? If you speak to any true cheese connoisseur, they'd say you don't store your cheese in plastic. Anyway, it's like the worst yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's very true okay wheel of cheese move to melbourne okay excellent yeah. <laughs> and then the the this okay this is something that i struggle with uh one of our kids loves wraps that's what he has for lunch and i have yet to find an option that isn't me making them because i don't that does i don't think that i could do that <laughs> and uh that is not wrapped in plastic do you have any suggestions for wraps for school lunches the only suggestion for that one would be if you have someone in the area that makes something like that, like a baker or anything, Okay. they might be able to do it. I know a lot of places that will um, sell their pizza dough to people who don't want to make their own pizza dough. You just take your own container and they'll give access yeah. to you. Bakeries yeah. will do that as well. You can phone up and see if they'll sell you, you know, some pastry short crust pastry, anything you want they might have left over. You know, I'm not a DIY person all the time. I will call up businesses and be like, do you have this? Can I perhaps just buy it from you? Because I don't have time to make everything from scratch. Yeah. I wish yeah. I did. <laughs> but <laughs> I do like sleeping. So. Yeah, exactly. If, if I had 37 hours every day, I yeah. would possibly find a way of making my own wraps. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I think that that's important as well to give people permission to say, hey, you don't have to make it all. It's just a matter of thinking outside the box and figuring out how you can source things without all the excess packaging. Yeah, yeah. I, I feel like there's this need or this like, you know, if you sign up to live zero waste or plastic free, you need to make everything from scratch mm. because that's how they did the olden days and life was simple then. But... <laughs> Bakeries have existed since the Roman times, so there's been quite a few people who didn't want to bake their own bread and, you know, went to the bakery. <laughs> I think it's okay to not make your own bread <laughs> and stuff like that. Like people have made stuff and we've gone and bought it from them for thousands of years and it's perfectly fine for us to continue doing that, you know. it's People enjoy that stuff, you know. I don't love making bread but there's a baker down the road who loves it and I'm going to support his passion. So, you know, that's another way to look at it. You're just you're supporting people's passions, their businesses. Don't feel the need you need to make everything from scratch. Mm. That's crazy. <laughs> well, it is, you know, and I, I spoke a few weeks ago uh, with Robin Rosenfeld from Pip Magazine and she was talking about this idea of self-sufficiency and it was the thing that we were kind of all trying to work towards a few years ago because to be self-sufficient was, you know, the, the ultimate end goal and she said but self-sufficiency is a miserable existence because can you imagine how much work goes into just sourcing everything for one part of life should it's being part of a community 
that is self-sufficient is much more the key. So, you know, supporting your baker, supporting your cheesemaker, working with your farmer, growing some of your own, swapping with your neighbours, all that kind of stuff is actually part of becoming becoming part of a a self-sufficient community rather than a self-sufficient individual. And I thought that was really helpful to reframe that idea. Exactly. Like I was thinking with your raps question, do you have a friend or a mum or, you know, a brother, someone who might like to do that and you could trade them for something mm. and you could just pop those wraps in the freezer or something, you know, see what you can outsource, I guess, mm. you know. You've got my you've got my brain ticking over now. With that. <laughs> but I think it's important to think that way rather than think, okay, well, there's no one that sells them that's not in plastic, so I give up. Yeah, I think that that's a really good suggestion of, of crowdsourcing, you know, community sourcing things. Exactly. Now we've got the internet and Facebook. What I've loved about Facebook recently is just all these communities that pop up of people that want to connect and help each other out, like the Good Karma Networks, also the Zero Waste Communities. Is they just want to help each other and, you know, you realise you can't do everything. You need that community for this to work. Mm. You need to rely on each other. otherwise. It doesn't work at all. Mm. Can I ask, before we finish up, how has zero waste or plastic-free living changed for you since you've had your son? Has it? Has, have you noticed a big shift? No, not yet. Mm-hmm. It's all been pretty easy only because he's so little and I'm obviously breastfeeding, so that's why it's a bit easier. But I am starting to see it get a little bit harder soon in terms of Christmas coming up. Mm -hmm. And also I guess now he's getting into solids, onto foods. I'm starting to see the conversations I'm going to have to have in the future. I think that's going to be tricky, trying to not make him feel like I'm depriving him Mm. in any way. Even though I can be like, well, he's only you know six and a half months now, that time's going to move pretty quickly, where I'm going to have to be like, no, you can't have that, or and trying to explain that to him without being the bad mum, I guess. Yeah. And also to other parents and family members who want to obviously shower their grandchild, mm-hmm. or you know, or him with presents and stuff that we don't necessarily need. You know, I've signed up to a toy library. We've got access to great toys and, yeah, just I think just having those conversations without sounding horrible, mm. that's going to that's gonna be the hard part for me, I think. Yeah, I think that's something that a lot of people struggle with, how to be strong in their desires to live a particular way without sounding ungrateful or judgmental or, you know, accusatory. It's, it's a really difficult balance, I think, to, to strike because – we don't live in a vacuum, you know, we being in relationships with people does mean compromises need to be made, but you know, it's this this kind of tension between compromising and educating without but you know, preaching. It's yeah, it's it's a it's a really tricky thing to navigate, I think. And I don't think there's one right answer at all. But I also think that the more people are talking about this stuff, the better, because it's maybe not going to only be from you or one person that they're hearing this either and I think that that is probably going to be where we start to see big shifts people hearing about it from various areas and and thinking okay so it's not just them being difficult this is actually a whole movement yeah yeah definitely I'm like 
I get some practice these days. So I'm one of very few parents that I know in my circle that uses cloth nappies Mm -hmm. and people ask, you know, why are you doing that? And it's like, how do I explain it without sounding like some, you know, like I'm on my high horse Mm -hmm. about, you know, reducing my rubbish and stuff. So I, you know, I try to be tactful about it and usually kind of use money saving as one because that's a, that's a popular accessible point. And I do kind of say, oh, you know, I just, don't want to create so much rubbish, you know, kind of thing. But people kind of glaze over when I say that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, why would you create extra work? Like, I don't get it. But, and this is um, the thing that we're up not. against, isn't it? It's like the convenience versus responsibility conversation, again, uh, that I think just needs to be to be ongoing. Uh, I, I do like what you said, and I've done this myself before, when people are kind of resistant to a request or a change that I've made is this idea of, uh, I'm doing an experiment or, you know, I'm, I'm challenging myself. And I think people are much more amenable to that than just the kind of in your face, this is the way I'm living my life, even if that's where you're at. You know, I think it's a really nice way of describing a shift to say I'm experimenting because people can, they can understand that, you know, they can say, okay, all right, I can get behind that. Yeah. It's kind of like, you know, I guess we're so used to hearing people, you know, I'm trying this diet or, you yeah. know, I'm trying dry July or something, you know, it's just another thing that people, I guess, are trying and I guess it makes it a bit more accessible to people and I think that's the trick is just making these lifestyle switches accessible and not make them seem so uh, scary really or like, as you said before, overwhelming, like they're going to have to just change everything about their life kind of thing. Mm, Exactly. And I think that's what you do so incredibly well is that you give people the power to make small changes you know, you, you, you genuinely do give people, like you arm them with, with, I guess, knowledge and tips and suggestions on how to go about making these changes. But you also encourage people. I often think about you writing the letter about the, uh, the blister packs of tablets. Like I thought that was just such a brilliant example of saying, hey, actually, I can do something. And if enough of us do something, then they have to listen uh, you know, and I think I spoke about it in the Plastic Free July episodes, but essentially you were looking at your rubbish, correct me if I'm wrong here, uh, and you realised that if the tablet manufacturers created their blister packs differently, they'd be recyclable, but they weren't because they were plastic. So instead of owning that and feeling bad about that yourself, you pushed it back to them and said, hey, what about this? Why can't we do it this way? Uh, and I just think that that simple act of writing a letter empowers people to say, hey, what else can I do? Oh, exactly. I think we, if we all did that a bit more, we just sent things back that we're not happy with, mm. change will eventually happen and people do listen. You know, they might, they'll acknowledge a return, you know, like a, a response, but they might not make change straight away because they might not have thought about it and they've got to think about their own products as well. Mm. So when I wrote back to them, I sent them back an example of how to change it and I got a response straight away and Women's Weekly actually covered the story last month and they even responded to them and said, you know, we're going to look into this. So don't ever think that you're not being listened to. You know, those letters do add up. You know, corporations when they receive a certain amount of responses to a problem, they have to respond to it in some way. Mm. Um, it's 
don't think that you know that your voice is not being heard it it absolutely is it absolutely is and change doesn't happen immediately unfortunately just the way it is especially with a bigger business so keep writing those letters you know send your rubbish back if you're if you're not happy with it we didn't agree to a, a lot of this it's just kind of been you know put on the shelves for us mm. if you're not happy with it send it back if we do send things back and we say we're not happy with them, they're going to act on things. They're going to change. But we need to do that. I can't just like stuff things into my trash jar and expect things to change and write my blog and, you know, just sit around and wait. It's I've, I've got to take action too. You know, my mum, she's done something recently too. She contacted a laundry powder company to say, why do we need all these plastic scoops? And they went back to her and said, well, we're actually now phasing them out and we're not going to provide them. So someone else has obviously, you know, brought that up with them and now they're making changes. So it just goes to show that we can, you know, access and get a response and hopefully create some change that way. Absolutely. People power. It's just actually doing something rather than thinking about doing something. Exactly. Yeah. Mm. If, if we just think about it, it's not going to change. And mm. if we just stay silent and, you know, and angry about it, nothing will change. You know, we'll, it's, we'll um, just get angry. <laughs> we'll just get angry. Yeah. It's like voting, voting, you know, not just with our wallets but speaking up. We can't buy our way out of this problem. We've, we've got to speak up too. Mm, uh, absolutely. I could not agree more. Erin, thank you so much for talking to me and empowering us to, to do more and but also just to do what we can do. I think the takeaway for me is small steps fine but take the steps like that's the key we actually have to make the changes we have to do the thing we have to send the letter or write the email or tweet the tweet and yeah actually do so thank you so much for your encouragement and in your time thank you thank you for having me Who is that? Hi, Puck Pass.